Hey, this is Jacqueline. Thank you so much for tuning into Current Mood. I really enjoy doing the show and putting it together, but it does not happen all by myself. <laughs> Let me tell you. I have an incredible producer, Jarrell Perry, a network of truly supportive family and friends, and also listeners. Thanks, guys. And I also use Anchor, which is a really cool way to make a podcast. With the Anchor app, you can record and distribute your podcast. You can also track your analytics. You can have music to your podcast. It's a really neat platform and has totally expanded the way that I do storytelling. Um, if you wanted to check it out, you could download the Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. The right. point is just stay connected to what you really love. And if you give yourself to that and you're dedicated, you'll find a way to make it work. to the Current Mood Podcast. This is your host, Jacqueline Marie. Current Mood is a series exploring self-care techniques, mental models, and core patterns propelling our increasingly digital lives. Through conversations with founders, entrepreneurs, educators, and executives across creative disciplines, I get a chance to learn about things that work for people in their everyday lives. In this next conversation, I got to sit down with Julian Alexander, founder of Slang Inc. Julian's a creative director and visual designer who got his start in the music business in the 90s. Julian's art has won Grammys, although he'll literally never tell you that. He has an excellent radio voice, as you'll hear, and he recently did a TEDx talk directed at Today's Youth. Julian and I spoke about how to protect your art as a digital creative in 2019 and what mental health looks like when you're constantly isolated producing art. Okay, let's get started. Hi. Hey, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for joining Current Mood. Thank you for having me. Well, yeah, of course. What's um, what's your current mood right now? I'm feeling good right now. I've had, I'm happy to be here. I've had in the last 10 days... A bunch of incredible things happening, so I'm feeling really good right now. Yeah? Yeah. What's like the top top three things? Um, top three would be I, I, got, I moved into a studio space. Oh. I've been wanting to get a studio for a while um, just to, you know, kind of change my situation and how I work and where I work. Mm -hmm. And I was able to, you know, June 1st, I got the keys. Um, wow. Last... On June 2nd, I did a my first TEDx talk, participated in that. That's been a huge thing. And then the third thing would be <clears throat> there's a couple of dream clients I've had that I've always wanted to work to and I work with, and mm -hmm. I just started working with one of them. So, really? Yeah. So wow. it's been an incredible couple of days. These things have been in the works for a while, but they've just realized, you know, kind of come into being. Yeah. You deserve it. Thank you. <laughs> I truly believe that. I fully appreciate all of it. I'm trying to switch how I look at it. I used to yeah. call myself lucky. Now I'm like, no, I'm not using that word. I'm fortunate. Yes. Yeah, wow. That's that's really important, the language. Yeah, I'm trying to, trying to, you know, I realize that some of these things, I've worked really hard and, mm -hmm. you know, nobody's just like, we need somebody, grab that dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? So <laughs> it, it's, you know, I'm very fortunate that people have kind of been 
provide extended these opportunities but yeah you know bad luck is getting struck by lightning good luck is winning the lotto you know what i mean mean? but fortunate i think is something else and i'm trying to see things through that lens right now that's amazing how was there like a tipping point where you were like i need to change the language around my blessings yeah i i have been doing some work with um you know, I've been having regular regular conversations with someone and just trying to just put effort into being deliberate deliberate mm-hmm. about what I'm doing, where I'm going, trying to connect the dots. I've been feeling stuck for a while and I've been working to get out of that stuck position and I've been picking up new tools along yeah. the way. Yeah. And that has led to me definitely changing the words and, and being more um active and manifesting the things that I want wow i like all of that (laughs) a lot (laughs) so what's your background in the music industry and like can you introduce yourself my name is julian alexander i am a creative director i'm an artist i work in uh i kind of got my footing in graphic design Mm -hmm. and grew through uh through that platform um, and my first jobs, my earliest jobs as an artist were um, designing album packaging. I started interning at labels. I interned at Def Jam back in the day in mm-hmm. the drawing board. Um, from there, I started working interning at Atlantic Records, and then that turned into a job. So I worked there for a while. Mm-hmm. I then went to uh, Sony Music okay. and became like a junior art director and kind of went up to, you know, got higher in the food chain yep. over time. Yep. Um, then I left Sony for a little bit. Mm-hmm. I went to, went back to Def Jam. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, kind of different building, different crew in a little, in a, in a manner of speaking. But then I returned to Sony Music as a design director for, um, it's when they acquired Loud and they needed someone to be oh, really? kind of more in tune with. Yeah that sort of stuff and take on the additional workload of a new label coming under the umbrella. Right. But then that really, then they stepped shortly after that or around that time, they started Sony urban music and I was the design director for that. Wow. So just kind of quick question about Sony because all the labels have like sub labels, yes. all these partnerships. What labels are part of Sony music? Columbia yes. records, Epic mm-hmm. and legacy. Okay. are the major ones that okay. are under there and you know it changes things acquire but that's what was in the building there. and that's kind of the core of it so you know there's different relationships to other labels but that's okay that's the foundation yeah for Sony music um who are who are some of the artists that you've designed artwork for um some of the artists that I've designed packaging artwork for yeah. include 50 cent Eminem the game um I've done stuff with legacy acts mm-hmm. in terms of people who are older and more established, older than me. Um, mm-hmm. Ronald Isley, I've worked on. What? Yeah, I've worked no on one of his releases. I worked on um, a Miles Davis box set, which I was fortunate enough to win a Grammy for the design of that package. That was for the Miles Davis box set? Yeah. Wow. That was nuts. High five. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, let me see. Um I have worked with, you know, some of the artists that I didn't do packaging for, but have mm-hmm. been involved in their projects. Jennifer Lopez, that J-Lo logo that was on her album package and really? her fragrance and her clothes 
clothing line. I made that. Wow. Um, so, and all of basically everybody in the G unit fold shady aftermath G unit for a minute, anything that was coming out of there, mm-hmm. I, I was involved with in some way visually. Wow. What, what was it like working with musicians? I love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, the thing that I like about it is you're doing something that represents an individual. So you can build a relationship with them. You can get a vibe from them. It's not really someone's interpretation or it's not as abstract, you know, like if I'm working with, uh, when I was working with 50, he mm-hmm. and I, I worked on his album power of the dollar that was on Columbia before get rich or die trying. Mm-hmm. So me, he and I had a rapport. Once you get to know somebody, I don't have to, I just know what he likes, mm-hmm. what feels right. I know how I can push him and challenge him in, in certain ways. I also know when to just kind of what's important to him and where to pull back. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And I think sometimes when you're dealing with brand stories, it's a little more abstract because it doesn't tie back to one person that you can have a relationship with. It's totally. really how people interpret or uh, act on that story and how it develops. So, um, and I also like the idea of me being an artist, my art is complementing somebody else's art. So it's, it's a different level of artistic expression mm-hmm. to me. I, mm-hmm. I don't look at it as a, a product, which mm-hmm. is not a bad thing. I've learned to embrace those challenges, but it's very different. And I love, I love that. That's really cool. So when did you first start to consider yourself an artist? Always. I've always viewed myself as an artist because it's a way, it's been a tool that has just been present throughout my life is how I, on how I, as a means to express myself. But um, when I started to, it was a hobby. There became a shift when I was like, oh, I can make a living doing this. <laughs> yeah. And um, and that is that has been the change. Not like I am an artist, but I am going to live as an artist. I'm right. going to use this to feed my family and to put a roof over my head and to do the, you know, I like I love to travel. It's mm. art that allows me to do that. My son is in college right now. It's art that pays for his education. You know what I mean? So wow. that was the shift, not not kind of the self view with the application of it or, mm-hmm. or knowing that that was not the thing. You know, I used to, growing up, I used to think like, Oh, I'm going to get some job and then I'll draw at night when I come home. And I was like, <laughs> draw a day or, or create, you know, express myself all day. Wow. That's really brave. I feel like a lot of people, I mean, you know, just the way you grow up, it's like you're, you know, trying to go after a career in art. It's like you're a starving artist or you're a starving musician or you're starving, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, I don't know. Like, has that changed over time, you think? Yeah, I'm not with that. Like, the yeah. starving artist thing, and I've done it. You know what I mean? Like, there's definitely times when I'm having sleep for dinner. You know what I mean? Like, it's <laughs> yeah. toast and tea and go to bed because yep. there's nothing else. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. in, in college and stuff like that. But the thing is that, you know, now I try to make sure that my creativity is what provides for me and that I I do that I maintain integrity throughout the process. Like I'm not trying to just be like, yeah, I got these skills and whatever you need, I'm going to do it. There's things I say no to and that I won't, you know, there's ways in which I won't compromise myself, but also not only for, you know, I don't only do this to make sure that I'm good, but I do it to, I try and talk and share a lot so Mm -hmm. that people know. Um, I talk a lot to students Mm. and I used to teach at school of it at, at a, on a collegiate level as well. And the point is 
for me is when I stand in front of young people, it's just like, you know, I, I knew what I was passionate about. I didn't know how to connect the dots and make a living for it. So mm-hmm. I don't go up there and, and say to them, like, you can do what I do. The right. point is just stay connected to what you really love. And if you give yourself to that and you're dedicated, you'll find a way to make it work. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. so I think that's really the the big takeaway. That was the realization that I have. And that's what I try and share. So I talk to students who aren't don't necessarily want to be <laughs> artists, but I can get their air because I show them work that resonates with them when i pull up some you know big nike activation that i worked on or they recognize people they pay attention to me a little bit differently or Mm. i walk in the room and i kind of look like them they're kind of like what's that dude doing here they don't think i'm the speaker until i say something you know what i mean like they might be like looking at my kicks and i'm looking at their kicks and we're connected (laughs) on a different level you know you got like the cool dad shoes (laughs) <laughs> I'm a dad, so I can't wear dad shoes. That's not ironic. <laughs> That's true. But you're also a New Yorker. So New Yorkers have always like fire shoes. <laughs> I try. <laughs> what you got today? There we go. Got what some, are those? Those are some Zoom Fly those some are Nike nice. running joints. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, actually, I, I might need those. <laughs> yeah, they're mad. They're wild comfortable. Today, because I was trying to stay on top of things, I had yeah. to run across the street. And I was like, oh, these feel good for running because I don't do that. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not with these kicks. You know yeah, I mean? If yeah, I'm yeah. running, I put on some other yeah. kicks right there. I was like, these are actually good for that. I'm still not going to be running in them to the dog, but I have another. I have a fresh pair in the box. So. Oh, of course. <laughs> true, uh, the true New Yorker. Yeah, I, I, w- I would love to know more about your work with young people. Yeah. Um, I think sometimes they kind of get... I don't know. Maybe it's just me because I don't have kids and I'm not connected with a lot of people who do have kids who are like, you know, young adults or adolescents. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, what's going on with the kids these days? Um, Are they are they all right? I hope so. I think so. I see a lot of promise. Look, Look, kids growing up today. I'm not that old, but the world changes at such a fast pace that. I don't know what it's like to be their age and experience Mm. what they experience. You know, to me, social media is a tool that I kind of, you know, engage with in a certain way. Whereas with them, it interacts in a, in a, it's just a different, it plays a different role in their lives. Mm -hmm. And I, I can't act like I fully understand that, but I think it's important to make sure that we realize we kind of have to be the lighthouse, you Mm. know what I mean? In a way, in terms of how we set direction, but we also have to meet them where they are a little bit too, because the things that got me through life aren't going to get them through life in the same way. So I try and share and listen. It's mm-hmm. important to do both. Um, and I'm invested in young people because I have children mm-hmm. and also because, um, you know, I personally didn't have, my father wasn't in my life in the way that I needed him to be. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, my perspective has changed on, why he may not have been there. I won't know. My father died last year. Mm -hmm. So, um, but the point is that I think we need, we just need older people to kind of, you know, not only take that role of like, I know everything and you don't, but to listen to them. And and when I'm out talking to young people, I'm constantly impressed by, you know, the ones that I interact with. And, And I think part of the reason we have good relationships is because, I try and be open with them and listen to them. 
and and I don't reject everything that they like. You know what I mean? Like there's music that I listen they listen to. I'm like, nah, that is really <laughs> trash. You know what I mean? But but as I said, like my son put me on to you. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And and what you were doing. And um, you know, and I just see the value across the board. I try and stay connected. And I think when you stay connected in some way, you're able to build more intentional relationships. Totally. What have you learned from young people recently? Um so at the TEDx talk, there was mm-hmm. this young woman named Kayla. I'm spacing on her last name right mm-hmm. now. But, you know, she was talking, you know, it was just her perspective. I, I learned that her being 12 years old and connecting with people in that room in that way is something that people are, we all have the potential to do. It's just like, I think it's being connected to passion. So I was reminded of what we could learn from kids. This is not something that I learned recently, but something I'll share with you. Um, I just forgot the name of the Nas documentary, but um, it came out. Uh, damn, what's the name of it? It's like it had to do with Illmatic. It was in the title. Anyway, <laughs> I saw it as part of the um, Tribeca Film Festival, oh, okay. and the screening that I got tickets to was only for students and someone that oh. I knew was able to finesse it and got me in the room with them. So I'm sitting there and I'm watching this documentary with a room full of 18 year olds. They're like young college students. Okay. And it reminded me, I'm like, he, he made, he wrote this album when he was like 18, 19. Like he's the same age as these kids that I'm looking at 17, maybe. Mm -hmm. And how we reflect back on that. We look at it now as a masterpiece and something that was just advanced and helped change the landscape period. And I'm sitting in a room with the people that age who can, who have similar perspectives or at least have the power to change, create that level of change. Cause mm-hmm. we think about what we're going to do when we get older and, mm-hmm. and we acquire certain wisdom, but we all had a potential for greatness and it's in us. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I just try and see that when I look at young people and know that they're capable of a lot. And, you know, as I get older, I appreciate youth in a different way. So, right. <laughs> Always putting me on. <laughs> like when I'm on the train and stuff and I see young people, like, like for instance, the other day, I, I think I was on the seven and I saw this young lady who looked really sad and I wanted to talk to her, but like, cause I felt like, cause she was on the phone, like talking about what was going on and you just, just right next to me. And I was like, wanted to comfort her in some way, you know, but like, First of all, as a stranger, I don't know how that works. Second of all, like as someone older, like I don't know how that works. But um, I found myself wanting to like just tell her it's gonna be okay, you know. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't. I didn't. I didn't. There was like a boundary there that I didn't want to cross. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting. I don't know. I really want to give her a hug. To yeah. be honest, <laughs> if it, it, you know, I understand that feeling, but also. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. You gotta yeah. read this. <laughs> yeah. You gotta read that situation. So Especially yeah, but, in New York. <laughs> yeah, but at least you saw her and you know, you noticed her because sometimes, you know, we're sometimes people allow themselves to let other people disappear, like allow people to be visible. They just look right past and have no care or concern at all. So, mm. you know, although you didn't engage with her, you know you at least saw her. And hopefully, you know, somebody who had the ability to be able to talk to her and give her that hug saw Mm. her too, you know? That's real. 
I hope so. <laughs> um, we'll switching gears a little bit, but I would like to talk about what it's like being a career artist in 2019 versus maybe 20 years ago and like how you've seen that change with the advent of the internet and like social media. Yeah. Um, it is very different. I see in the current world, it's easier to just be like, yeah, I'm an artist. I'm this, I'm that. I do this. Cause you just have to say it. Right. And <laughs> yeah. you can post pictures, you can do what you do and, it doesn't really have to be supported or the people who vouch for you might just be your homies. You know what I mean? For me, I had to, I wanted to make album covers. This, the world didn't work where my homie could just be like, yo, this mixtape cover and we're going to put it out and it could be available across the world. Right. So that, that's the beauty of it. And that's the kind of thing that messes it all up. You know what mm. I mean? So I had an interaction with someone recently who called them, you know, their creative director. Ah. And he Where asked on their me, Instagram bio? <laughs> yeah, it, well, <laughs> you know, other people would refer to that person as a creative director as well. But certain things that I had to learn to get to that point, to mm -hmm. be able to say that, mm -hmm. they skipped all of that. So mm -hmm. in a conversation, it was exposed really quickly because it's something <laughs> they asked me for, or something I asked for, and there was just a disconnect where... That person didn't know what I was talking about. And I'm like, this is not like creative director. This is not a high level question. This is a basic question. 101. Yeah. So it's just like, you know, you were able to skip a couple steps. And I think we all have a responsibility to make sure we, if, if you want to claim something, you got to know what it entails. And right. you got to do the work to be able to function in that capacity. So I think that it becomes easier for people to just kind of, you know, skip skip go and like collect two hundred dollars right. the monopoly thing where you just kind of go around the board and you don't have to go through the steps and and you know look i don't fault people for advancing like that's what we're all trying to do but i think you owe it to yourself to know what you're responsible for sure. to kind of do the homework and and do what it takes to be able to really have something to contribute mm -hmm. at the same time because the playing field is now you know, it's changed and people had an opportunity to get in. So it it brings in new thought. Mm -hmm. So the flip side of not knowing those steps is some people don't, those, some of the rules and limitations don't exist for other people. So they think differently mm. and they can approach things in a way that I might not think about this right. because I'm too busy going through these other steps. Right. Um, so I think you get innovation and in people who approach things totally differently. But I think the ratio, like statistically, yeah, it's like one in however many thousand because there, there becomes just a lot of noise and things yeah. kind of fill in the space. But I do think that, you know, those who embrace it and take it seriously and are dedicated will be the ones who kind of change things. So mm. it's great to kind of sit in the middle of that. You know what I mean? Mm. I don't want to be all the way on the side of like it has to be traditional or whatever. You right. need to be, again, stay connected and see what's happening in other places and how people are pushing boundaries but um you know the playing field has been leveled and sometimes you know we pay the price in bad ways and sometimes it pushes stuff forward what's an example of a bad way um it, it, there are things that you know sometimes i'll see a i'll see things executed poorly or i'll see things kind of elevated to a high level that are not good <laughs> 
and people wow they are measuring that as good because of how many likes that it has how many likes it has i'm like that has nothing to do with whether or not this is good or not sometimes people are liking that because you are popular right not because it is good there's a difference (laughs) and but then you know on the flip side there's people who are doing incredible stuff and they don't have that following so we can't the metric that is being used to measure things i think can easily elevate mediocre things that are mediocre at best. Yes. Um, and again, it's not, a, I, I just want to be clear. It's not across the board. I'm not a person who is anti, but I think that's a very real situation where, mm-hmm. you know, I just see things that are, aren't good elevated and people, you know, some people know better. Some people are younger and they don't really know, but I'm like, yo, you know better. Like, stop it. <laughs> stop it. <laughs> Okay, so in 2019, where everything is very plagiarizable, if that's Mm -hmm. a word, (laughs) um, how do you protect your IP and your art as a creative? That's a good question (laughs) for me, because I'm going through something right now um, where, you know, I registered my business a very long time ago, in Mm -hmm. 2000. What's your business? It's Slang Inc. Slang Inc. Okay. So, yeah, I missed that part in the dot com. Yes. <laughs> slang, yeah, I'm at slanginc.com. I'm on Instagram at Slang Inc. Everything is Slang Inc. But I recently um, found a situation where someone is trying to trademark the name Slang for a business. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, at first I was like, yeah, you can't do that. I got that name. I registered it. And then I turned out, it turns out that when I was in my, you know, when I didn't know better and do my complete diligence, I thought by registering the name mm-hmm. that also locked in the trademark. Mm. It did not. Mm. So I think that, you know, so I'm going through something now because that's my name. I'm fighting for it, period. But you've not, been operating with that name for how many years? Tw- 19. <laughs> okay. So, so you know. got proof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, and you know, I have good representation. It's, sure. You know, I'm going through the process um, to fight for what's mine and maintain it. But... the lesson was, I think, you know, we also have a tendency because tools are accessible. We just feel like, oh, I could do this. I could hook it up my own. So, but I think we need guide, you know, if you're trying to protect your intellectual property, you have to get guidance and make sure that you are setting things up in a tight way, particularly when you have a lot of, you know, people are inclined to like, I just made this thing and we'll put it on Instagram. Mm. And then somebody else takes it and then you're, mad about where it goes and, and nobody should take that i don't just you know i'm yeah. i am in no way of in support of people having you know taking artwork but i think we have to be responsible for ourselves as creatives to make sure that we put protections in place because it's easier to invest that time effort and money uh money up front mm-hmm. than it is to try and fight for it after the fact so mm-hmm. um i strongly advocate for you know, if you, people talk about how, how they have brands and they're the CEO, like people throw around labels. And if you're going to say that, that's cool. You know, it doesn't mean it's not legitimate because I didn't hear from it about it before mm-hmm. you told me. Mm-hmm. But you should, if you know, if you want to, you know, you want to play that game to make sure that you protect yourself and set your things up properly. Because if you don't, everything that you're working to build is at risk. Yes. And. And you don't want to find out the hard way that you're vulnerable. Right. Um, 
and and find yourself exposed to um, things that could compromise everything that you're working to build. Yeah. What's what are like the bare bones minimum requirement for an artist getting started in terms of protection? Um. So for me, I don't work. You know, my a lot of most of the work that I do is under the umbrella of my company. So mm. registering my company mm. is kind of the foundation of, you know, get your tax ID number, mm. make sure that you are setting things up, you know, to uh, when you, when people pay you, they're not, they're writing a check to my business. Yeah. They're not cutting me personal checks. Yeah. It's a business. You know what I mean? So get a tax ID number, get, yeah. you know, have a separate bank account. So you, when you pay people, it's the business paying them. Um, things like that I find to be important. A simple thing that I tell people, if you have, <clears throat> and even whether it's your own business or not, again, this is not about the artwork. The art is what you work on and develop, but in terms of kind of separating church and state, mm-hmm. get a different credit card. Mm. Like keep your business purchases here and your personal pur- purchases here. So when mm-hmm. it comes time for taxes... You're not like, what, what was this for? What was this? And that, you know, keep yeah. everything as organized as you can because a lot of times creative people will pride themselves on being left brain or right, whichever one, that, whichever brain it is yeah. that's the opposite of the organizational thing. <laughs> but if you're trying to do something where you can um, have people rely on you and you're set up to do what you want to do and mm-hmm. function in that way, mm-hmm. then you have to be dedicated to doing it in a way that um is going to benefit you and not cause require undue time trying to clean it up or figuring out what's what starting a business 101 <laughs> Look, that piece has got you know i think that piece is supremely important because yeah. it's easier to just kind of get something a certain way and maintain it than it yeah. is to just keep trying to fix it right so and that's the truth <laughs> yeah preventative measures are much less expensive than trying to fix the yeah. fixer. And creatively, I'll tell you one thing too mm-hmm. that I think is important is just stay dedicated to your craft. Like I I know that, you know, j- just build routine. I've, I've started to look at this analogy, like <clears throat> being your best creative, I start to look at it, it's like, it's like going to the gym. Mm-hmm. If you go to the gym every day and you work, you're gonna do whatever you're trying to do. Whether that's get smaller, get bigger, have more stamina if you're going on the treadmill. Mm -hmm. If you just do it every day, simply by doing it, you're going to get closer towards your goal. And I think we have to be that way as creatives. I no longer am just like, I'm not feeling inspired today. I'm not going to do that. Like, no, I do something all the time. Yeah? Yeah, I try to. They might be very small things. You know what I mean? But I I think it's important to keep kind of exercising that muscle, like working toward what it is. Yeah. I have like a, some days I don't feel quote inspired. Uh, so I just do other creative things or things that like spark a creative streak. That counts. Go for a walk. Absolutely. <laughs> because you'll see something and be like, oh, yeah. and then it changes your person. Sometimes the best thing you could do is put the step away from, the, you know what I mean? You put the pin yes. down and step away. Like that counts. It's like that does sometimes count. going to the movies in the middle of the day yeah. helps me. That me too. Yeah, I've done it a while, don't, but don't tell <laughs> I won't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I do that too. But so do you? So now that you have an office, like a studio, mm-hmm. 
How does how's that gonna work? I'll tell you. I just have the space. I mean, I just got the <laughs> internet set up. I haven't started Ooh. working there. I'm actually okay. I'll be doing that in the coming yeah. weeks. So I'm just getting it set up to prepare to work. But it's you know, it's a dope space. Like I look out at a bri- I look out the window. I see the Manhattan Bridge. I see the train going over the bridge. Like it inspires me just looking out of the window. And I yeah. think it's it's in a building. You know, I think the space being there will inspire me. I'm in an area where some very close friends of mine have have studios mm-hmm. so i f- already feel a sense of community i feel like coming in and out i'm gonna you know that nice. transition will be a, uh a good one and yeah. i think it will be reflected in my work and just how i feel about it and now i'm also just like look man i need to be busy because you know i got to take care of this and maintain it i need new furniture you know right, what i mean it's right. bigger than where i was working before right, so right. things got to change so it's a motivator so how does it feel to have a dedicated studio for your art. It feels good. Like I I gotta produce some good art some good artwork yeah, now, make yeah. it count. So like, it it feels really good. It it it's something that allows me it's one of the tangible things that helps me measure growth. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's you know, I I don't really hang that on getting props like i appreciate that you know what i mean like that it means something to me when people notice what i've done or if it connect to it or like it or you know it it touches them in some way but this is a thing that's just like you know my circumstances have changed in a measurable way how do you stay sane as an artist (laughs) how do you work your mental muscle muscles (laughs) Um, what I'm working on right now Mm. is trying to be in touch with my shit. You know what I mean? There's a lot of things. What is your shit? (laughs) Um, you know, I mentioned that my father passed away. I'm bad with time in this way. So I think it was, it was October, but I, it was October, 2017. Yeah. So it's been more than a year. And sorry to hear that. I appreciate that. Yeah. But it was something that we didn't have a great relationship mm. and we we had a shitty relationship. Mm. Um and I in my mind didn't think it would affect me the way it did. And I was devastated by it. Of course. And um yeah. you know, so this is this doesn't have to do with it does have to do with my art. Everything's connected. So it's just like trying to find ways to work through the things that were going on that are going on with us because that's I'm more comfortable expressing myself through visual mm-hmm. things than I am with anything else. So for me, I'm trying to learn. I'm disciplining myself or channeling this energy to say what I want to say when I want to, not waiting for client work. And somebody has, we had this, this is the issue that we're working. This is what we want to communicate or this is the problem we, we're trying to solve. And then I take all of my energy and put it there. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm creative every day. Mm-hmm. I have ideas that I want to express. So how I work, how I'm working through my shit as an artist now is just trying to get in tune with my voice. You know what I mean? As it relates to representing what's important to me. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know what happens with it once I get it out, but it's just trying <laughs> to get it out. You know what I mean? I don't care what happens yeah. once I get it out. It's not like, oh, I'm going to make this thing and sell this and do that and do this. It's just like, I just want to express myself and make shit that I like. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to, um, you know, find areas where these the things that I know make me happy or the things that are challenges and trying to get better through them. Because we, mm. you know, 
we always have more shit, more work to do. So it's never ending. No, really. it shouldn't. If it, <laughs> I, I don't know what that looks like when it ends. It should not end. You know what I mean? So, um, but you know, hopefully we get better at recognizing it and and how we how we maintain ourselves. Yeah. Do you have like a consistent practice of some sort that helps you? Um, I'm working on some things now. A couple of years ago, I started keeping um, a journal. I used mm. to like to write a mm. lot as a kid. Mm. One of my proudest achievements when I was in the fifth grade. Okay. <laughs> I wrote this. There was a competition, a writing competition at my school. And it, they had fifth graders and sixth graders competing against each other. And in the fifth grade, I beat all the sixth graders. Oh, I got first place. And uh, I still had a medal. I found it the other day. Got to put it in the office. <laughs> <laughs> in the yeah. studio. And... And I want a fifty dollars savings bond. What? It's probably worth forty eight dollars <laughs> now. Um, True story. But the the uh, you know, I don't even remember. What I, I got lost. <laughs> I mean, that was really good. You were in fifth grade. <laughs> you beat the sixth graders. Um, I was asking if you had any daily oh, or not daily, so but consistent practice. I got this journal, and you know, I'm trying to write a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been doing that for a while. Mm-hmm. And I just write, and I finally went back and read some of this stuff. Mm. So I'm trying to just kind of be more in tune with what happened throughout the day. Now sure. I have a practice that, um, you know, I write in the morning. I write what I'm grateful for. Okay. And in the evening, I write what made the day successful. <sighs> so this Those is are... very new, and this is some of the work that I'm doing now. Like yeah. I, that didn't that particular way of looking at it yeah did not come from me but it was something that was offered to me as a way to help me um be intentional in how i approach the day and also kind of to keep stock of what has been accomplished on on a daily basis on a small scale not like you know i did i was working for 10 years and this is what it is and looking back (laughs) because i think i've had a tendency to look only recognize where i've succeeded in hindsight and like long term view yeah i think we're all kind of conditioned to to do that we're a meritocracy yeah you know it's like what have you done that you can show me yeah but on a day-to-day basis those are the things that build up to the greater things yeah so as to recognize them is got to be very empowering so that's a new daily practice that is what's up i like like it it's working well what kind of journal do you have? Do you have like a specific? I got a moleskin with the graph paper. <gasps> That's what's up. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one I like. Those kinds of things are actually, I feel like they're really important to like set the mood for your intentional practice. Is yeah. like get a journal you really fuck with. Get like a nice pen or pencil. I have a you, pen I like. Yeah, like get the one that you're yeah. like excited to pick it up. Yeah. I don't know. I like that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Like, it, it is important. I don't, you know. Yeah. Look, man, the the other notebook would work right. Listen, one time Lloyd Banks was in my office when I was working at Sony. He came up with 50 and we were just talking and we we're talking. And like, man, 50 are just, it was, it was Yayo Banks and 50. Wow. And he was, uh, we're talking and Yayo Banks just had this pen that he just kept, I don't know what he was writing. He was just writing when we were talking. He was like, yo, can I have this? I was like, yeah, I was like, what you want that pen for? He's like, yeah, if it looked good, it sounded good. Like, he liked the pen, and he felt like if the lyrics looked good on paper, mm. it was going to sound good. And I think we're all connected to that. So my wow, journal, I love that's, that. that's what you're talking about. I love that. Yeah. So what do you do when you're not being an artist? I'm always being an artist. <laughs> <laughs> so like, how do you step out of the like that artist identity, or do you? 
um i i believe that's who i am sure you know what i mean so i i you know there are times when i'm not in rare form with it you know what i mean right. but i you know i think some of the things that i love to do really really love to do i'm super excited because in a couple of days i'm going to new orleans for the first time <sighs> this is years overdue i've wanted to go forever best city so, yeah, like so I've heard and I've just been intrigued by it because it's a unique place here. And mm -hmm. I traveled a lot growing up. My mother worked for an airline. Oh so, really? Yeah. So, oh, you're one of those kids? Yeah. It's amazing. Listen, when you say one of those kids, do you mean the kid who traveled standby? Yes. <laughs> like no, had to go to the airport in a suit? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, no, yeah. I have a couple homies like that. Like my homie Mike, his I think his mom's been working for Delta for like decades yeah and yeah yeah i used yeah. to have to go to the airport with a tie on and we just you know but but in any event like that i got the love of travel early mm. and i love it and i love to not only go places but i try and disappear like blend in yeah. if i go to a place they don't speak english like i was talking to somebody this morning about morocco mm. i was talking to you about morocco yes. when we were getting our moroccan mint tea <laughs> and like if i go there and you know if i don't say anything might think I'm you'll think I'm a rocket. You know what I mean? So I'll just go places and just blend in and just do whatever. And I and I love experiencing what mm. cultures are like, or if I lived in this part of the world, sure. what might my experience be like? And you can't fully know, but I try and get as close as I can just to what other people deal with and what, what mm -hmm. the vibe is, what the feeling is. And, you know, that's kind of those are the types of things that fulfill me. Sure. But they also come back to my art. So I feel like it's all it's all full circle, but mm. travel is something I love. So I'm, and and it's at the top of my mind because I'm I can't wait to get on that plane, get <laughs> off the plane rather when I'm there. Like, yeah, I can't wait for it. Was um, Anthony Bourdain influential to you at all? I loved his show. Mm -hmm. I loved how he traveled in that show and who he chose to connect with. Mm -hmm. um, I never read any of his books, mm. um, but seeing him in that way is was hugely influential and it's part of the reason that i there was a long time where i didn't eat red meat mm -hmm. or pork mm -hmm. i very rarely eat pork now mm -hmm. but like i would watch his show i'm like i want to eat that <laughs> and then my reasons were not ethical mm. and they weren't religious so i was like why am i not, why can't i eat that yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, I'm gonna eat that so yeah as you should you yeah, only live once <laughs> absolutely so yeah I, his, I'm glad you asked me that question because if anything that I said reminded you of that, that's good. Yes, that was a it was a strong point of I liked how he carried himself and engaged with people, and he didn't feel like it has to be fine dining right. or whatever. It was yeah. just about like it was uh, food was incidental in that show. That show was about people, of course, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, the anniversary of his death is um, tomorrow. Really, June eighth. I felt that when he passed away in a way that I was really surprised by. I think a lot of people did. And actually, this week I've been doing research on him because I'm going to write about him. Actually, that's what I'm doing after this. I have been writing a story about him. Wow. Um, I can't wait to read it. Man, it's, it's, it's been actually really hard to, to, to research. Because I, I was pretty devastated when he passed as well. And my dad's a chef. So, like, seeing his stories and reading about... Um, reading his books and just like, it's like a connection to, to my dad too. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, my dad's still here. Thank God. <laughs> but, um, 
he was like a sociologist and you know cultural anthropologist and just storyteller and yeah food was part of it but yeah. like man there's really nobody like him and he like his loss was felt throughout like every industry yeah you know not just food but across entertainment and music and uh everywhere yeah um but yeah especially in new york <laughs> absolutely i mm. mean this is his stomping ground yeah he's definitely a spe you know i didn't know him personally but yeah. i didn't have to to know that he was special <sighs> so good mm. yeah r.i.p right. on that note <laughs> um the last thing I kind of wanted to talk about was so for if if anybody's listening, uh, Julian actually created the artwork for Current Mood. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for asking. I Look, mean. I'm glad I had an opportunity to do that. <laughs> yeah, and you nailed it. <laughs> we you. went through like a few iterations, and then I think like after kind of go throwing some stuff back and forth, you, you were like, I feel like you were just like, oh, I got it, <laughs> and then you sent something over, and I was like, Oh my god, this is it. <laughs> there was a lot you didn't see. <laughs> really yeah <laughs> i'm sure not because i it just wasn't right to show to you sometimes yeah. i had to go through my process yeah so i was like nah this <laughs> it's like cooking yeah yeah but i'm sorry go um ahead. no no uh i've worked with a lot of designers over the years and kind of like shepherded art into like messaging and communications and stuff and there's like there's definitely like a particular way to work with artists or designers um, I'm curious from your perspective, mm -hmm. what are the best ways for people who don't work in art or creative uh, to engage with designers? I think two things I think are important. One is find somebody that you can communicate with, mm. like that you can you can comfortably because you, you it's not your job to know the technical terms of what they do but you need to be able to have somebody who has some understanding of what you're trying to express or what feels right or where you're trying to go or what's the important things and, and challenge you mm -hmm. um and then it's also important to find somebody that you like what they do mm. you know what i mean don't be literal about what it is like i've had times you know when i was completely immersed in music i remember there was a conversation about doing a book cover. Mm. And I'm talking to somebody at this publishing company and they're like, yeah, this work is good, but we do book covers. I'm like, so? Like, I can do, I can change a square to a rectangle. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it does it. So what? You know what I mean? Like, I, I, mm. I'm not, I understand design. So it's like, don't, don't be limited mm. in how you view someone. Sure. Um, and, and I think that's really important to, that's a great point. You know, I feel like, as an artist, as a creative person, one of the things that makes that's really important is recognizing potential. Mm. So if I if I had if I'm looking at two people mm -hmm. that I could work with and one is like super technical, they know all of the programs in and out. And one person has great vision and they don't have all of the technical ability. I'm going with the one with vision every time. For sure. Because you can teach technique. You can't teach vision. Right. You know what I mean? So, right, right. so I think it's important to make sure that you identify, um, you know, you don't have to only look for someone who does exactly what you're looking for, but look to look for someone who is um, 
that their work inspires you or moves you in some way. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing I would say too is just value value your creative partners. Mm. You, people do the 180 real quick. They're like, yo, I'm about to beat it. I'm the shit, man. My shit's gonna blow up. It's gonna be crazy. Like, we're gonna do this. We're gonna do that. We're gonna do this. And you hit them with the number and they're like, yo, so right now. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'm, you know, but, but it's like, yeah. you know, you know, figure out what your boundaries and limitations are. Sure. But also just like value the other creatives. It's not like some byproduct or some lucky thing. I tell people all the time, like, you know, somebody, I remember early in my career when people would come to me for logos or some design and I'm like, all right, I need half of the money up front. Right. You know, I need an advance and then the balance is this and this is the schedule. And they're like, well, why would I pay for that now? You didn't do anything. I'm like, dude, I'm not making you a shirt. If I make right. a shirt and you don't want it, I can sell it to somebody else. It's your name. What am I going to do with that? <laughs> so, wow, so that's be a invested great point. in, you know, invest in the creatives and, and respect what they bring to the table. Mm. Because if you don't, you know, you're not benefiting. Like, I think that when you, when you really fuck with somebody, like you support them and you, you give them something and and it's an exchange. It's Mm -hmm. not only about what your needs are when you're seeking creativity. It's finding the right people and, and build some level of partnership. They don't have to be partners in your business, but they're partners in that process. Right. And everybody should be able to respect each other and value what they bring to the table. Mm -hmm. That's what I would say. Those are great. The one thing that came up is that I think, like you were you were saying, value someone's vision over maybe technical ability if you had to choose between someone who had that and didn't. Um, I think it's hard sometimes for people who are not quote creative or like, I feel like it's very segmented when you're like, I'm a graphic designer, I'm an art director, I'm a, crea- I'm a creative director, I'm a whatever it is that you are. I think people who are not in the creative field, sometimes they don't understand that things are transferable. Mm-hmm. You know, like skills are transferable and just because you do this doesn't mean you can't do that. So um, that was just something that, that came up in my, in my head when you, when you mentioned that, right. um, that I think there's like a lot of discourse around creative um, roles you Mm -hmm. know it's like a lot of language and like it's like if you're a lawyer and like you don't understand what kind of lawyer to go to you know like very specialized that's kind of feel like it's kind of how people think about it sometimes yeah it's it's challenging i sometimes saying i'm a designer or a creative director feel doesn't feel right to me all the time just like Mm -hmm. i'm an artist and that's where i'm applying myself in this way but you know i'm going to be all abstract about it but a lot of it you know it's complicated. It is complicated. Overly. Yeah, overly complicated. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, thank you for joining Current Mood. Thank you for having me. <laughs> it was a good talk. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, same. All right. See you later. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to Current Mood on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Spotify and Anchor and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Also, join us on Instagram for some super cool visuals at currentmood.io. We're also on Facebook and Twitter. And if you really feel like reaching out, send a message. Tell us what you are feeling, please. Thanks so much.